0: Hey, um, we've been yeah, been doing a series of uh, what works, and the kind of goal is some little uh, practical things that, like, man, this works, like prayer, like giving, like church, like community, and stuff. And um, today, I wanna I wanna kind of talk about kind of like a something overall of that, a bit of a meta level thing that works, which sound really kind of I don't know pretentious or something. Is this it, kind of there's this thing, like, if you're gonna, if we're gonna succeed in life, there's this thing that works, and we've got to discover how it works, is this ability to commit afresh to things, that, uh, not just commit again and, and grit and bear it, but, but to kind of, um, fall in love again with what's important in our life, because, uh, uh, and, and and uh, the worst subtitle ever, Covenant Renewal in Times of Change. Covenant just means committed relationships. We have certain things in our life we're committed to, but how many know things change? And, and we've, got to, we've there's got to be a mechanism that goes like, man, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought it was going to be but God, but God, I, I commit again to this, yeah. I commit again, I, I fall in love again, right. and I, and I do want to deliberately kind of mix today this level of you know significant relationships, marriage and family, but also the life of faith, the same dynamic applies that that i 'm going to have to be able to, to do this and and I want to tell you it works as someone uh, who' uh, kind of been. A Christian for I don't know 50 years and Christine and I've been married 34 years it's kind of like this this works but it, it, you have to find a way for it to work to like this is not what I thought but God I choose to commit not just commit again but commit afresh To this thing. Um, I was in the uh, UK talking about this a few weeks ago, and I don't know, for some reason, the rest of the world has Father's Day on a different day to us. So it was Father's Day. And it it reminded me of this book I read um, growing up by a guy, James Dobson, he was kind of the guru of family stuff back in the day, and he wrote a book called Straight Talk to Men, and he had a chapter in there called A Man and the Straight Life, which shows how languages change, it's not talking about sexuality. And I've always remembered this picture, that um, that he kind of, which looks really boring, he basically says the nature of life is this, this ability to kind of commit to things, but then to start to veer off, but to come back again and to start to veer off and to come back again, and to start to veer off and come back again, and, and I guess for me, um, you know, growing up, I, I kind of, I didn't grow up with a dad who was around, so I grew up with a dad who didn't know how to do this, who was kind of in and out of prison and left, and, you know, and then would arrive back with all these presents for Christmas, but then disappear again, uh, and it's kind of like this somehow this thing just to be consistent and committed to things, and then when I met Christine, her dad was kind of the epitome of the good man who just, who just was solid, who just managed to keep turning up. <laughs> and and to sustain that through different seasons of life. And um, James Dobson's got this very depressing-sounding talk about what it means, and it's American, but he's like, this: what does it mean? He said, it's pulling your tired frame out of bed five days a week, 50 weeks out of the year. It's earning a two-week vacation in August and choosing a trip that will please the kids. The straight life is spending your money wisely when you'd rather indulge in a new whatever. It's taking your son bike riding on Saturday when you want so badly to watch the baseball game. It's cleaning out the garage on your day off after working 60 hours the prior week. The straight life is coping with head colds and engine tune-ups and crabgrass and income tax forms. It's taking your family to church on Sunday when you've heard every idea the minister has to offer. sure that doesn't happen here. And it's giving a portion of your income to God's work when you already wonder how ends will meet. And it's not just a male thing. He talks about the challenge of the straight life for women and then put it together to challenge into the straight life, particularly for solo parents, but it's like, welcome to the nature of life, and he, and he talks about these voices that lure us out of that, for I men, the voice of pleasure, the lure of romanticism, the desire for extramarital sexual relationships, ego needs to be admired and respected, and so the temptation is that at some point, like this thing, I find myself, I find myself... I find my heart has moved out and away and beyond, and, and life, faith, relationships, and the ability to go, no, I commit afresh to this thing. Right. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm going to achieve anything in life, I need, you need to know committing afresh works, and knowing how to, committing, to commit afresh is really important. This, you know Man, there, there's the key to achieving anything in life. It doesn't sound terribly sexy, very, terribly exciting. But actually, if you want to achieve something in life, it's actually key. And, and this, is, this is like a wider issue in life. Um, so there's a famous quote from an ancient Greek philosopher who says this, Change is the only constant in life by Heraclitus. And, and he actually nails that down in an interesting quote. He says this, No man ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. And it's like, so there's the challenge, I'm going to change, and the people around me are going to change, but, but how do I do consistency in the midst of that? And that's why you need a mechanism that goes, yeah, I'm, I'm going to change, I'm going to change in this relationship, I'm going to change in my faith understanding, um, my, my partner's going to change, my world's going to change, and church is going to change, but, but I, I need a mechanism that works, that goes, I, I find a way to commit afresh to this thing. I find a way to fall in love with this thing again. You know, the opposite side of it. More recent quote, 19th century. Guy said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's how do I navigate this? In the midst of change, in the midst when I change and things change, how do I I identify what doesn't change? And I commit again to that. Um, And this applies not just to marriage, it applies to faith. 1 John 2. Uh, John talks about this. We're not going to go through it all, but talks about recognizing there's different stages of spirituality. He writes that to little children, you have a certain spirituality, but but then fathers, you have a di- faith feels different to you, and young men, faith feels different to you, and and unless again you are able to navigate those changes, you're going to get lost, you're going to get confused, you're going to lose your way, and it's like, hey, this. This whole Christian thing feels different to w- w- what I first fell in love with. But do you know what? I, I, I commit afresh to this different thing. And I, I can see the, the things that haven't changed in the midst of everything that has changed. So there's a photo of uh, This is my wife on our wedding day 34 years ago. So 34 years in last month. How many people know, like, it didn't... G- <laughs> It didn't end up what she thought she was signing up for. <laughs> I promise you. And seriously, it was, a little, it was definitely a lot harder than what she thought she was signing up for. But it's like you know, you know, if you've been married for a while, it's like yeah. Then kids come, and for some people, the toddler stage, like this is real hard. Maybe the teen, maybe the teenage stage, man, this is not what I, this is not how I thought it was going to be. Maybe there's seasons where there was uh, one of you was there was um, issues with health or mental health, and it's like, man, I gotta dig deep to commit afresh to this because this is not what I, th- this is not what I thought. But this ability to 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 not just commit afresh, but to fall in love again, is 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 what works, and what we need to find a way to work. I just want to kind of preface this whole thing. There's a famous passage in Lamentations, like don't, don't hear this and beat yourself up for stuff in the past. I love this passage, God's mercies are new every morning. Hear this as like, how do you want to live from this day going forward? There's, it's just that there's no point in doing the what-ifs. The point is, what about committing to this now for the way ahead? So that's the preface to it. But But what I want to talk about today is God, God knows this is how life works. And he actually built a mechanism into the life of faith of Israel that acknowledged this. And, 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 it's, this, and it's this terrible term called covenant renewal. So if we've got uh, Deuteronomy 29, if you can put that up. So if you know um, the f- books of the Old Testament, Exodus, Moses leads the people out of slavery. Like what a great experience of faith. We, they saw God do all these incredible things. And then it transitions to Moses leads them through 40 years of wilderness. And again, it was different, but again they saw uh, things happen. But, but Deuteronomy is Moses' like farewell speech. He knows that he's going to die, and he knows they're going into a new stage. And he's like, do you know what? what we need to do a covenant renewal because I need to set you up to go into a, a, into a zone, into a way of doing life and faith that is different. And, a, and unless you commit afresh, you're going to lose your way because it's going to be different. And so uh, Deuteronomy literally means the second giving of the law. It's like, hey, we, we need to do this again. You're like, oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah, but welcome to life. We need to do it again. We need to do it again. We need to fall in love again. I need to commit afresh again, because that's how life works. And so Deuteronomy 29, these are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in addition to the covenant he had made. Oh, yeah, but I put my hand up. I went to that uprising. I did that all. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, but you've changed. Yeah. Yeah. And life's changed. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like what it did anymore. And, and, this, and it's like, I need, I need to commit afresh right. To the core parts of this thing that haven't changed, and so uh, in Deuteronomy 31, actually, it's I think it's really interesting. In the context of this, verse 10, hopefully, he says Moses commanded at the end of every seven years, when all Israel comes together, you shall read this law. It's like God's God like embedded this in, like, mate, about every seven years you're going to need to do this again. I don't want to be offensive, but you know, it reminded me there's that cultural thing about the seven-year itch. And it's like, welcome to doing life successfully. You're going to have to fall in love in your key relationships. You're going to have to fall in love in your faith. God embedded it in the system about once every seven years. That's why we do sabbaticals Because it's like, man, I ran for a season. This is gone, but I've changed. I'm not, this is not like I was when I was 18. This is not like I was when this is 25. Like, I, I, I need to reconsider this thing. And I need to commit afresh to it. And so some of that, I, I just want to look at what they did because I think there's some keys in here. Because I want to say in the series, what works, and, and um, I, I don't want to sound pretentious, but for some of you, I want to kind of speak kind of like the old guy father kind of figure. It's like, hey, this is really important if you're going to achieve stuff you want to achieve. That you, that, you, that you learn how to do this. And so uh, Deuteronomy 29, verse four, 5, you know, he says, um, g- he rehearses the history, you know, goes back during the 40 years I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out. Down in verse 7, when you reached this place, this king and this king came out to fight. It's like, he's like, hey, you need to go back and think about your past, not to reminisce, not to be nostalgic, but to kind of, to learn the lessons and go, God, if you did it, then you can do it again. And it's like, rather than, rather than being locked in the past, draw the lessons from the past that empower you to address today. God, I, I, I had encounters with you as a teenager. God, as a, as, a, as a young couple, we saw you come through. God, so, so that means you can do it again today. And, and God, I, I, I want to draw from the past to learn that. And so, uh, down in verse 12, uh, he says to them, you are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God. Covenant's like a wedding service. I don't know how many people have ever renewed their wedding vows. This is basically what I'm saying. God built in this mechanism that you would renew your spiritual wedding vows from time to time. And it's like, yeah, God, you're still committed to me. Life's changed, eh? But God, I commit again to you. I commit afresh to you. I fall in love with you again, God, for this new season of life. And, and I love how sometimes when you, verses that people have heard of, you, when you read them in context, you get to understand them a lot more. So there's a famous verse in the context of this. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, says this, "'The secret things belong to the Lord our God, "'but the things revealed belong to us "'and to our children forever, "'that we may follow all the words of this law.'" I got no idea what next year is going to bring. Who knew we would spend the last two years with COVID and lockdown? Who, like, it's like, I can't base my plans on figuring out the big picture, but there are certain things that I commit to that God is going to be first in my life, that I'm committed to his people, that, that I'm committed to, to key, the key relationships in my world, that I'm committed to, like, there's secret things. I can't figure that out, but there are things that I do know and I need to stake my life on those things. Come on, that, that God is good and deserves the first place in my life. That his salvation has come through Jesus. My key relationships that I'm going to commit to this marriage. I'm going to commit to this family. And it's like, welcome to how to do life. There's a whole level of unknowns out there and things are gonna change, but there are certain things that I commit to. And, and, and again, the very next chapter, another famous verse. Deuteronomy 30, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. It's not up in the heaven, so you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it, nor is it beyond the sea, so you have to ask who will cross the sea. Verse four, no, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. It's like, I'm committed to this woman. God, I'm committed to this family. God, I'm committed to to you. I'm committed to faith. Like that's that's the simple part of life. I don't know the I don't know what the next season's going to bring. I don't know whether it's going to be easy. I don't know whether it's going to be hard. I don't know whether it's going to be confusing or upsetting. But this is what I commit to. Uh, reminds me of this picture that. Um, that uh, Jordan Smith talked about at Shout and the mental health thing, if you got it from Stephen Covey, these three circles, it's like the center is the circle of control, the next one's the circle of influence, the further out's the circle of concern. There's a whole lot of things I'm worried about and concerns about, but I can't control them. What I can control is my decision to commit afresh to these key things that I do control. To find renewal of these things, that's what I can manage. That my heart is not drifting off, but God, I commit afresh to the core things in life. Um, what's interesting then, uh, as, as Moses dies, it leads into the book of Joshua, and um, a, and to read this in context, we often read Joshua as a story of conquest and taking the promised land. But if you read it in terms of what does it mean to what does it mean to to re-engage in a new season that's different to the past one. And so Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, starts with a very famous verse, 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, his aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's like, why would he say that? Because you've got to let go of the past. And I feel, I hope, and not just... And this is not about the bad past. This is the good past. You've got to move on, Joshua. Yeah, that was a wonderful season. But you have changed. And the world's changed. And, and, and if you're stuck reminiscing about what was, man, we saw Moses part the Red Sea. We saw him call down plagues. We saw manna from heaven. It's like, Joshua... It was great, but it's over. And, and your faith's never going to land unless you find it a new expression in this season. And, and uh, I was interested a few years ago, this word nostalgia, um, the definition that I had in my mind is this, a sentimental longing or wistful affection for a period in the past, the pain of longing for the past. It's like, this is a trap for faith. I mean, Pastor Libby and I, sometimes Wayne talk about, we've been in ministry a long time and a lot of people were in the early days, you see, they they post stuff and you realize, oh your glory days were like 40 years ago, like the world's changed, faith's changed, like let it go, uh, but I found I found that the word nostalgia is actually more concerning and more dangerous than that, because the literal meaning is this, the pain of wanting to return home. I just, I feel dislocated in how we do church today. I feel, I feel this is not, for, like, I, I, the place that felt at home was like in my youth or in my 20s or in my 30s. Like, and, and this thing, like, that's the music I like. That's where I felt at home. That's where I felt I belonged. That's where I felt comfortable. And it's like, that's a trap. And Joshua, God's like, Joshua, it was good, but it's over. And if you're gonna, what works is your ability to commit afresh to a new season, to commit afresh to what's going on in your life now. Oh, but I liked the songs we sang then. I liked how we did church then. I liked our family when it was this stage. Yeah, but it's not that anymore. And if, you, if that's the place you feel at home, that's pretty serious. And so it makes, it's wide. In Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. And then, you know, I love in this context, we often apply this around the thought of inheritance and stuff. The threefold commission to Joshua in verse 6 to 9. Come on, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. It's a threefold call. And, and, but I want you to hear that in the context of the bigger picture of the Old Testament. It's like, yeah, it takes some courage to move on. It takes some strength. Like, this, is, this doesn't feel familiar. This doesn't feel like I loved it when we were in youth or young adults, and that was so exciting. And, and now it's just hard with kids and managing a job and a mortgage and doing life, and it's like, yeah, it takes... I'm not allowed to... Like, what is that? like it, it takes some balls. To, um, I've been in England too Like, I don't know. Sorry, that's patriarchal and misogynistic. It takes some courage. It takes some courage. But I do want to challenge the men. Come on. Harden up. Grow up. Recommit again to faith and life. How it is today for things. Um, So take that as I was challenging the men. The women don't need to do this so much maybe um so again but i love if you dig into it it's like why why can you be strong and courageous a because because there's an inheritance for you today don't be robbed by a nostalgia from the past but secondly god's given his principles about how to commit to it but the final one verse 9 because god's with you today god's here today and he's like there's this invitation. Like, again, the metaphor of of standing at the altar, the groom is their Jesus. Like, I'm committed to you. Are you ready to walk up and be committed to me again? Are you ready to renew your wedding vows to this faith thing again today? Because I'm ready to walk with you into your today and into your tomorrow. But it's not going to look like it was when you were a young adult, or when you are a teen, or when you first came to faith. Come on, be strong and courageous. And I love, you know, then some of these famous verses to understand this in context. Joshua 1 verse 11, then he says, come on, you're going to take possession of the land your God has given you. Like, there's a great inheritance for you in this season of life. This could be the greatest season of life, whether that's whether you're retired, whether you're in the teenage stage, whether you're in the empty nest stage, it's like this could be a great season because God has got an inheritance for you in this season if you would fall in love again with what he has now. And, and you know, a famous chapter three, a famous passage that Pastor Sam loves about get ready, verse four, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Oh yeah, I knew what it was like to be a Christian when it was at uprisings and when the mosh pits and stuff. Now it's just flipping confusing with young kids and busy at work and in my business and you know. And I and, and it was exciting being married when it was us, but now we've got teenagers who're grumpy and like that's like yeah, you haven't been this way before. Welcome to life. Like grow up. That, God, I need you to help me walk through this season. And I'm convinced that there could be a great, this could be the most rich season of my life. As long as I let go of nostalgia, as long as I'm willing to walk into this thing. And so interesting, again, fast forward to the end of Joshua, Joshua 24, as he comes to the end of his life, because he learned from Moses, he knew, he does the same thing again, he leads them through a covenant renewal, Joshua 24 verse 25, on that day Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem he reaffirmed for them, he's like, I know as a leader what they need most, they actually have to have like a a wedding renewal ceremony with God. God. Because nav- Moses helped them navigate from that season to me. I've got to set them up for the success in this next season. The greatest thing I can do is invite them to commit afresh. The greatest thing I can do is lead them in a covenant renewal for this stage of life. And so Joshua assembles them all, and, and again, he reminds them of their past. But again, the famous verse, when you read it in context, Joshua 24, verse 15, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we're going to go again. We're going to commit again to this thing. I don't know what it's going to look like. We let go of Moses. Now we have got to let go of you. I don't know what this season's going to look like, but I'm up for it. God, I want to commit afresh because I want to see this fruit in my life of this consistency. And so Joshua 24, 25, on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. It's actually another incident later on. So, so these, were, these ones with Moses and Joshua, it's not like anything had gone wrong. This was good pastoral leadership. They're like, hey, you're going to change. Hey, your situation's going to change. I need to help you to commit again to this. In 2 Kings 23, later on, there's another incident of covenant renewal. And this was more when they'd completely lost the plot. They'd completely wandered off. And the King Josiah, in verse 3, the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord. What works? Renewing your wedding vows to your spouse, but also renewing your wedding vows to Jesus. Renewing the covenant, if you want Old Testament language. God, I loved what you did in that past season, but things have changed. But God, but God, I want to go again. Um, I've talked about something in the past that let me briefly... Um, Explain it again, which may help you, help you understand this whole thing of faith. It's called the. I, this is what I I made this up. The Tobler <laughs> the Toblerone theory of church. That church for everything we do, it's actually not that complicated. Basically, everything we do, there's an upward, inward, and outward function, which is basically this: we do worship, we do fellowship, and we do mission. Church in any slice of time is a Toblerone slice of worship fellowship and mission but over time church looks like a Toblerone bar so go back three slices what did church look like 50 or 60 years ago well worship was probably an organ and a hymn book and three hymns and uh, fellowship was probably this hall next to the church with a wooden floor and big pots of tea And Mission was probably a board at the back of the church which had all these photos on it of people who joined these organizations with various acronyms like SIM and OMF and were serving in some distant country. And like, that was church. And then, like 30 years ago, a different Toblerone bar worship was some guy on an acoustic guitar and probably wearing a caftan, and someone with a flute or on a tambourine. And thank God those days are gone. But you know that was that was pretty cool then. And and fellowship was probably like a church camp where you went and stayed in these awful bunk rooms with K-pop mattresses and ate really bad food, rubbery toast and burnt porridge and stuff like that and that was and then mission was maybe like going on a YWAM trip to the Philippines and and it was like there was your Toblerone bar, slice for then. And now our Toblerone slices now we have it. LED screens and tracks, and for our worship and maybe fellowship, as we have e-groups and cafes, and we gather together in Spark Arena for shout once a year. And mission is like today, right today. There's a new Equippers Church being launched in Ghana, and and, and you know, and and we're supporting churches, uh, Equippers churches, and budapest and in germany that are that are supporting churches in ukraine and we're planting a church in mexico with equippers, and it's like it, it's different but it's the same but actually the paradox of the picture is actually it looks really different it's for those who have eyes to see it's just the same thing but but, but it's also true of your faith Maybe your Toblerone slice three ago was, yeah, I was at youth and I was in the mosh pit and fellowship was out every night. It was so cool that I didn't have a night at home and mission, we were at Summer River, we were on the road and stuff. And it's like, but the Toblerone slice changed. But what hasn't changed? Worship hasn't changed. Fellowship hasn't changed. Mission hasn't changed. How it looks at your stage of life has probably changed. And I talked with a number of leaders, just the people who struggle from that transitions from youth to young adults, from young adults to, you know, uh, young prof- equippers professionals, from professionals to families, and it's like, welcome to the world of doing faith. You have to be able to commit afresh to a package, to a Toblerone slice that looks different. And there's this invitation of of what works, it's to do this. Maybe I can get um, Steve back up on the keys, would be great. Paul kind of summarizes all of this in Romans 12, verse 1, where he just says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See there's something about a living sacrifice. It's like there's a if there was just a dead sacrifice there would be there was a moment in time when I felt a certain way and my world certain looked a certain way and I committed to God and it was all done. Problem with a living sacrifice is I bother I've changed. I bother the world's changed. And I've still got to kind of make this commitment when it's not what I thought I signed up for. And it's not as easy and it's not as fun as it used to be. But can I I plead with you? Fall in love again. In your family, fall in love again with your spouse. But in your faith, fall in love again with Jesus. You know, in this image of sacrifice or the image of the altar, you know, we often talk about the front of church or something as the altar and this idea, is like, where I come and lay down my life? But I love the thought, you know, in weddings we talk about, I'll meet you at the altar. And I think that's a more helpful image of the altar for faith. Jesus stands. His mercies are new every morning. Hey, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to blessing your life. I'm committed to putting deep richness in your life in this season. I know this is different, but I'm, I'm waiting at the altar. And there's this invitation for us to walk up to the altar again. And commit again to Jesus. And commit again to faith. I feel God's anointing coming. And the tenderness of his heart, he just this invitation. Jesus is standing at the altar. It's like, God, I'm a bit confused. I'm a bit, this is not like I thought, but God, I can I'm gonna come to the altar again. Because this works, covenant renewal, committing afresh.